Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from May 17th, 2020. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Faith Church Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay Williams. And I am the other host, Robbie Helene. You're awfully pushy to get in there. I was trying I'm excited. to say, oh, I'm excited. Well, okay, I'm glad you're excited. That's good. So how have you been, Robbie? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I enjoyed, I actually enjoyed the combination of a few beautiful, extraordinarily sunny, glorious days, and then a few rainy days makes the perfect combination of like doing fun stuff outside and getting lots of work done, and then sitting on a couch with a good cup of coffee and reading a book while it's raining outside. It's a good weekend. That is a good weekend. I, yeah, I enjoyed the, so the every once in a while rainy day that makes it so I can't do any of the things that I know I should be doing, like working outside, getting things done on the yard, is not possible. So I actually kind of enjoy that. Um, I have something really important that I need to bring up before we jump on to the sermon that happened to me over the weekend. I can't wait. Okay. Here's the deal. I don't know if anybody's dealt with this, but on my iPhone, randomly, songs will just play. It's not coming from an app. It's not coming from Spotify or iTunes or anything like that. It just, all of a sudden, some random song from some cloud library somewhere will be playing on my phone. And often, it's it's it'll be like these similar songs, you know, it'll be kind of the same songs. Like there's one from U2 that plays, there's some from bands that we knew in Denver. But this weekend, the song that keeps coming up on my phone, just randomly will just start playing is this one's for the girls by Martina McBride. Ah, one of your favorites. Uh, That's your, that's your ringtone, isn't it? Evidently. I had not remember the song. I was like, what is this song that's playing? But this is combined with another problem which is my hmm. wired headphones broke. So all I ah. have are a set of Bluetooth earbuds. Good news about that is if I'm listening to music, I just leave my phone away from me. The bad news is mm-hmm. when a song like that comes on, I don't know what to do. And so... Um, so you just need to embrace it and... I, and that's what I did. Enjoy it and dance. Yeah, and that's what I did. I'm not going to lie. I just said, I thought, my first thought was, what is this song? My second thought was, this is this one's for the girls. And then I thought, my phone's too far away. Eh. And I just listened to it. Which then led to me leading, trying to lead my kids and singing it to my wife um, and then making up other verses. Because every verse is like, you know, this one, like, for all you girls about 13, that's the first one. Then for all you girls about 25. And then for uh-huh. all you girls about 42. But then it stops there. So I had a couple of problems with that. Like evidently once you hit 42, that's it. Like you're the lot that's the end of being a girl. So when would when would you say you you really truly became a Martina McBride fan? I like it really became, you know, important to you in the last 48 hours. <laughs> I as I've as I've thought about it, and so I started The song's about, on your you can't claim that cuz the song is on no, your phone. It's, it's not pulling I, it from I'm telling you, it's from the, nowhere. 
if you remember, there was a seat. First of all, Lauren and I share an iTunes account. So that uh. is part of my defense. Secondly, though, if you remember, iTunes used to do free downloads and they would just randomly. In fact, there was a there was a season where they would automatically download songs to your library without your permission. That happened with the U2 album and everyone freaked out about it. But they'd been doing that. And so um, I that's a, that's a, I'm assuming that's how it got on there. I don't mm-hmm. think it's Lauren's style, so. Um, but I yet you know all the lyrics. Well, I do now because I listened to it. It just kept popping up on, and I'm too lazy to go change it. So, um, <laughs> and then I started creating other ones, like I said. So I, I had verses for for all you girls about '94, and uh, all the different life stages because I just felt like there was too many gaps. No one there, should be left out. No, 13, 25, and 42 just do not cover. The entire, like, what it means to be a woman today. So I just wanted to. <laughs> I, 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 it is. It's sad that the listeners were unable to see Christoph's reaction to that as as he hung his head in I, shame and confusion. And <laughs> I, that's half the fun of doing these podcasts is saying things that make Christoph give. It is true because he's muted, so he doesn't get to actually respond. We just get to watch his physical reaction over the screen. So, so yeah, that's what happened this weekend for me. And uh, I, we may be, I'm thinking about recording some of the verses. We'll see what happens. I think you should. Though I'm, I'm guessing people did not tune into this one to hear of your deep and abiding appreciation for Martina McBride. No, Um, but I'm probably hoping that we're going to talk about the sermon a little bit. What do you think? Maybe. But there are a few out there that that was a big bonus too. But you're right. We should move on to the sermon. So well, for them, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of us. Uh, so I thought this weekend's sermon was fantastic. Um, it, it led to good conversation in our house. Uh, and, and one of the things that I love about this podcast is it gives us an opportunity to expand on some things or clarify some things or, or communicate things in a way that um, when we're when we're listening to ourselves after the fact, maybe we think, I wish that I had communicated that better or expanded on that. Um, one of the things that I thought as I was listening on Sunday is when you address that idea of our praying for our daily bread, I think it is so easy. And you addressed it in the in the sermon, but I'd, I'd love to, to hear a little more of your thoughts on it. Um, just this idea of it's so easy for us in our culture in this time to dismiss that idea, right? To, to read that and say, well, obviously you had to pray that when you were a farmer and your life depended on that rain coming and the plants growing. And if that didn't happen, then, then you starve to death because that's the only way you get your food. But we don't live in a culture in a context like that anymore. I go to work, I do my job, I get my paycheck, and that feels like that's pretty much all me. That's all my effort. Um, so, so would you mind reminding us and, and, and maybe expand a little bit more on what, how, how do you respond to that? How do you help someone understand why that prayer is still so relevant to us right now? I mean, yeah, we, we talked about that a little bit. I, I don't know that I have something better than what I shared because the issue there is really taking things for granted that are actually way more fragile than we want to acknowledge. Hmm. And so, yes, it's true that I don't, I'm not growing, I'm not growing my own personal food supply 
even farmers today are, are growing something specialized and they're, you know, very few people are actually growing their own food supply. And even if they are, it's not all of it. And at any given moment, they likely could go and buy food. So if, if they're, if, so someone could be saying, yes, well, I, I, we, we grow 90% of our own food. Well, yes, but then if it doesn't work out, you could go to the store and, and buy whatever you, whatever didn't work out. And so it is, it is easy to think, well, yeah, I know in theory I'm dependent on God for these things. But the reality is that, like I mentioned, I mean, I'm, I'm not in control of my lungs working right now. I'm not in control of my heart working. I'm not in control of any of these things that that allow me to walk to my car, to drive to work, to think, to to breathe, to... I mean, so the reality is that um, it's... Our sense of control is... It's an illusion, Robbie. And it's it's just not... It's not something... Wait, I don't know. You're like Christoph again, man. It's just these reactions. I know he's muted and he can't help himself. But um, it's uh, if anyone got that reference, you're welcome. But it is it is an illusion. The reality is that I don't have control over those things. So the answer to me thinking I have control is to remind myself constantly that I'm not. That um, to be thankful for all of those things, uh, to to practice that discipline of not taking those things for granted, of um, and, and so we know that obviously right now is a really good example. We have a lot of people who work very hard and do very well at their jobs who are not able to go work right now. And it is, it is through no fault of their own. It is no control of their own. It wasn't their decision. It wasn't their boss's decision. It wasn't even, you know, the, the company's decision. It, it was kind of forced upon them. And those kinds of things happen every day for a lot of people every day there are people who go into work thinking that they're in control and they have a stroke and now have to relearn how to walk and talk and i know that sounds kind of morbid but that's the that's the reality is um that all of those things are constantly being held by god in his hand and my inability to recognize that really is only addressed by the discipline of recognizing that. So you you said something in there that I thought was super, super helpful. And I I don't know if, the, if this was something that just kind of popped in your head as you were communicating it, or if you'd be able to unpack this a little bit. Um, but you mentioned the, the discipline of not taking things for granted. I love that. Could, could you unpack, what, do you, what does that look like? What do you think that looks like as a, as a discipline? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's being mindful at different parts of the day. So I'll give you an example, something that I often take for granted, I think a lot of people do, is saying grace before a meal. So I've gone all over the map on that. Used to, you know, my family would always, whenever we gathered together, we would pray before a meal. Um, and then I would go to, well, I don't want to be legalistic about that, and that whole deal of just, you know, sometimes we just sit down and we eat. And then it got to, I, I would say that's a discipline of pausing for a moment and being very mindful that although I may have purchased this food with money I earned from my job, I may have cooked it, um, I, may have, I may have done all that prep, it didn't just get dropped off in front of me, that even with that, to pause and give thanks, realizing that 
all of that starts with God. So that's where you could you could just keep going backwards in that and saying, yeah, but how did I how did I work the job that allowed me to have the money to go to the store to do those things? Um, so so that would be one that I think is a really simple one that most people do is just to pause. And I think we've changed that language where we ask for a blessing on the food. We bless it to our bodies. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think the, the bigger thing is to give thanks that we even have this food before us and we can eat it. Um, I think that that's a big part of waking up in the morning and going to sleep at night. So I heard a pastor recently preaching about how his prayer before he goes to bed at night is is thanking Jesus for this breath and that if if he if that should be his last one or if in the middle of the night he should have his last one that he's trusting that he is with Jesus and if he wakes up in the morning that uh, he's trusting that Jesus has him in the morning and that he is prepared for a day uh, that where he can glorify God so I think at those key I think one of the things that could be helpful I guess to make a very long-winded answer much shorter and maybe more helpful would be to say have specific times at the day where of the day where you kind of do that check and maybe that's at bedtime when you wake up in the morning every time you eat and i think once that happens you start doing that then you start doing it at at all the times of the day like maybe anytime something happens um you you pause and you thank god for all the things that had to happen to even, even hard circumstances, all the things that had to come to play. So like, um, I, one thing that I've been trying to do lately to practice this has been when my kids do something upsetting, like if they, if they, uh, if they disobey or wreak havoc in our house or anything like that, rather than being frustrated and only letting frustration be the thing that I have to figure out now, disciplining my kid, I have to do, I have to parent, I have to do all that. But going to the, the idea that I'm just thanking God that I have the opportunity to share the gospel with my kids, yeah. that my kids, it's undeserved, but my kids are healthy. They are, they can understand the words that I'm communicating to them. They, they have a good, I have a good relationship with them that allows me to sit down with them and to talk with them. They, they've been raised in a home where they've heard the gospel and when I'm mindful of those things, all these things that are out of my control, that I can go into my child's room who can hear me, understand me, um, understand what I'm saying to them, those are, all, those are all gifts of grace from God that are completely out of my control. Tomorrow they could be gone. Yeah. T- tomorrow yeah. something could happen to one of my kids that renders it where they no longer have language and they couldn't speak with me. It completely out of my control. And so even those hard situations when you're kind of overwhelmed with all of the all of the unmerited favor and grace that is there in that moment, it kind of it kind of changes, you know, it reorients the whole conversation. Oh, that's good. I I I think we grossly underestimate the power of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Right? We we when we read aspects of scripture and, and commands in scripture when it says give thanks in all circumstances i think it's easy for us to to think about um you know well it's you know like a parent god wants us to be polite right so when my kids when i do something for my kids i want them to say thank you because i'm trying to teach them to be polite and it's kind of this this like 
one direction towards God, like this is this thing he expects of me, and we miss the fact that that, that gratitude is, is actually shaping our heart. Right? So as you say, when, I, when you take the time to stop and thank God, I'm, that's, that is shaping my heart. That has an effect on me in how I perceive the other circumstances around me. And, and, and so ra- rather than thinking like, well, how do I stop thinking you know, that I am in control of everything? If instead, in a, as, a, in a, as you said, a, a positive motion, I say, well, what if I start thanking God for everything? What if I start by by as as I'm commanded giving thanks in all circumstances and, and and stopping and saying well what can I thank God for in this thing and 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 typically that's easier than than we think it is to go well obviously I had no control of this aspect you know this person that I bumped into today had an, had an amazing conversation well that we don't get to do hopefully we'll get to bump into people again one day that remember when that was a thing yeah. um but but those things that happen, you know, the interaction I had at work, or that that either that that job uh, that I that I have, that job that I lost, that that promotion I received, or, or as you said, sometimes even the demotion is actually the blessing to be able to look at that situation and go, God, thank you for this thing that happened in that, or the way that you provided in that begins to shape my heart in such a way that it's easier and easier to do that the next time, and it's easier to spot where he is active in all things and in all ways and uh and it and it begins to reshape my heart in that so i think that's really good man that's that's super helpful thanks for that yeah Um, i i I would i would just add briefly that i think this is part when the you know in the early church in acts when it says that they rejoiced after you know they were arrested that they rejoiced that they were counted worthy for suffering to suffer dishonor for his namesake that's part of that rejoicing, I think. I, I don't want to read too much into that, but part of that rejoicing is, I mean, think about all the things that they could be thankful for in that moment. Thankful that God had chosen them, had rescued them, had entrusted them with the gospel, that they were getting to be the ones to be the mouthpiece and the voice to declare this incredible news, that they that they were grouped in with Jesus. Like, there's all of this grace. Like, I don't yeah, think it's a... Yeah. I don't think it's a well. I'm sure God's working this out in some other way. It's man, look at look at all the th- reasons why we're in this situation, and I've just I've just walked with too many people who would give anything to go back and be in some of these situations. Like talk to talk to parents who have grown children who something tragic has happened to them or they're not walking with Jesus right now, and they would say I would give anything to go back and be able to go go back to my eight year old's room and talk to them about you know their rudeness or deal with any of those things who'd give anything for that and i i just want to be constantly reminded that um that i'm regardless of the situation so even if that isn't the case tomorrow i'm still living the i'm still living just under this shower of god's unmerited favor constantly Mm. just Mm. as unmerited grace yeah constantly and it's it's good i want to i want to i want to think like that so yeah so yeah, Man, that's really good. That's really and good. I don't know if there's anything else. I um, was there something else? I feel like there's something else that you were curious about. That we I was curious. I'm always curious if there's something that hit the cutting room floor. Something that you were oh. you were excited about communicating, but because of time or it just didn't really fit with the rest of the message. Any anything like that this week? Well, yeah, there was. So. Sometimes what hits the cutting room floor is feeling like, man, if I say this and I don't say it really well, it's it could be misconstrued. 
hmm. and confused. Yeah. And so I did. That's a good thing to cut. Yeah, that's a good thing to cut. And so maybe it's a bad idea to bring it up here. Maybe it should be cut out of the podcast. But, Fair point. But you're here to referee. You're here to like clarify or whatever. But when I was talking about, because you know that as I was preparing for this sermon, I didn't want to just talk about the basic needs, but say that God gives us our desires, that bread is not, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's not saying I am the basics and I'm the, you know, yeah. that, that this desire, that it's, it's, it's abundant life that is, is what he's offering. And that's what we are to be asking for as well. Um, and how that can so easily get kind of perverted when we start talking about, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, that gets perverted in a lot of ways. And one of the ways that that's been perverted is through the prosperity gospel. And so I did have a part in the sermon originally where I was going to touch on that and say, well, how is praying for God to fulfill all my desires different than the prosperity gospel? The belief that if I have enough faith and I ask God, then he will give me wealth and health and and um, worldly blessings. And, and so I, I wanted to communicate that... W- what I think about the prosperity gospel is that they, um, they just don't, in a weird way, they don't take it far enough. They, the, their, their issue with the prosperity gospel isn't that God is generous. That's, that's not the problem with the prosperity gospel. No. The, the, the problem with the prosperity gospel is not that they believe that in faith they receive, they can receive all of these blessings and these gifts and these extravagant riches from from the Lord, that's not the problem. No, the problem. Jesus said that. Right, so Jesus, that's good. right. Yeah, we should believe and, that. And so we should believe that, and I think we need to lean into that a lot. The problem is that they, what they end up turning it to is fixating on these things. So it's, I receive this blessing, and this is what that actual blessing looks like. This is what that very temporary gift looks like, which would be kind of like my child saying, um, well, I know my dad loves to give me treats. He loves to take me out for, you know, for ice cream or for dessert or for whatever. And and saying and what it looks like is he takes me to Culver's and gets me the flavor of the day. And and that's not the thing. The thing is that I love to give my kid gifts. And what I what they really love is spending time with me. At least I hope they do. But that's the real gift is spending is is bonding with them over that. So whether we do that at Culver's or McDonald's or you know, wherever we, we do that, it's, it's that gift of being with them. And so, um, I, it's, it's a tricky thing to, to pray and to ask God and to pour out our desires of our heart, but then also trusting him with those desires and trusting him to give us what we actually want that is for our good. And, and so I think the mistake is when we then think, well, then that means financial, like I'm going to get wealthier or I'm going to have health. And so I tried to address that in a, in a smaller way, giving the example of the person who prays for a new job. And they may be thinking what they really want is a better job with better pay and whatever, but God knows what the better gift is, and so he gives them a dev- demotion. So sometimes you pray for health, and you may get cancer, but as hard as that sounds or as strange as that may sound, it's always, if it's from God, it's always the better gift. Does that make sense? Or did I just confuse things more? 
I would just unpack a little more about why why cancer is better than oh. health. So, um, because that because that you, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't feel no <laughs> that one that one it requires like a, a little more a little more fleshing out of why why would that be? I agree with you, but I think it needs a little more a little more fleshing out of why why f- could that possibly be considered the better gift? So a common denominator. So I think most people who know me know that I've that my my mom died of cancer years ago and um and so i have some first person experience with this so this is in theory in for you right so this is in theory for me um also you know we've had other scares with that um in our within our own immediate family and so the one common denominator in, in ministering to people and, and walking through all that with my mom was is that i've never met a cancer someone with cancer who is a Christian who loves Jesus who hasn't said that they experienced God in a completely different way than they ever could have without it. And, and every, every time I talk with someone who's a cancer survivor, they will say, um, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying there's not an exception to this. I'm just saying that in my multitude of conversations with people who have survived cancer, they will say something along the lines of this is, this is a gift that I never would have asked for whether it whether it made them realize what they had in their family or whether they found an intimacy with Jesus that they had not known before a de- dependency on him whether it freed them from other idols in their life whatever the case is they came to see cancer as as a gift and it's something that if you haven't gone through that it's very difficult to understand but i think everybody has some frame of reference for that. And I, I tried to say that again in the sermon of just thinking of anything that's happened in your life that you would say, I would not have asked for that thing, but because that thing happened, here are all of the, the blessings that came through that. Yeah, I think everybody, if you've lived more than 13 years of your life, <laughs> you probably have had that experience somewhere along the line. And so... The fact that we think, well, yeah, no, I, I, I saw that with I, I lost my job, but I don't see that about cancer. Well, that's that's part of the grace for the moment that you have the grace to deal with those things. Certainly in those moments. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I think everybody knows that universally, that sometimes sometimes things that we didn't want in the moment or something we asked for that we didn't get in the longer view we realize, wow, this, that was actually a gift. And I can't actually imagine my life without that really hard thing that that happened. And if that's true, even in our limited, I mean, so think about that, even in our long, even what we would consider the longer view is still a a vapor. It's a mist. It's a, and so God's view, which is infinite is infinitely larger than ours. And so if even in the matter of, even in a matter of five years, we could come to that realization. Imagine the realization we would come to in infinite number of years, in eternity. Well, and you layer on top of that that God's goodness is infinitely greater than our greatest goodness. His joy is infinitely greater than than the joy that we could possibly manufacture. And so to, to kind of circle back around to where we started with you saying the problem with the prosperity gospel is that it... it, it 
essentially it, it promises too small is because right. oftentimes what it's what it's focusing on are is the lesser thing, the lesser version, things that oftentimes can can become idols in our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's God's grace that He says, "Well, I can't give you a zillion dollars because it will destroy you. Like that's not that would not be my blessing. That would be my curse, because it's going to ruin you. It's going to ruin your relationships. And it's in it's His loving kindness that He gives us something better. And so, uh. Yeah, it, I I think we we can we can fall into the trap of believing the best God has to offer us is the best this world has to offer, and not understand that the best this world has to offer. Um, I mean, Paul says is is nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Is it will will fade in comparison to the glory of uh, the surpassing weight of glory of what we experience in Christ and beyond this earth and so that idea of what what god has is is truly better and and that he actually wants to fulfill that request for not just our base needs but but is a generous father who gives um so much more than just what this world has to offer right and to to kind of oversimplify it maybe this is the way i would teach it to my kids or the way I do teach it to my kids and um, the way that I understand it best. So maybe that's why <laughs> that's how I can teach it to my kids that way. Cause it makes sense to me, but essentially, so we'll, we'll talk about one thing that Jesus delivers us from every fear and fulfills every desire that all every, everything is fulfilled in Christ or we're delivered in Christ. But then I also think about with every desire, I just tell, I tell God all of my desires and either he looks at that desire and says, that is a, the root of that desire, the root of what you want is a good desire. That is good for you. And so I'm going to give you the better thing. I'm going to give you, I'm actually going to give you the fulfillment of that. You think it's in this. So that would be like my kids saying, I want to go to McDonald's. And if the root of their desire is, I want to go hang out with you, dad, then I may know, well, McDonald's is the worst and we will all feel gross after that. So instead, let's go for a bike ride um, or whatever the case is. But I'm, as their father, I'm hearing what their desire is, that they really want to hang out with me. So I'm going to fulfill that desire. So that's that's the one thing. So if God looks at your desire and says, that is a good desire, that is for your good, then he doesn't just give you what you ask for. He gives you more. He he fulfills that at a deeper level. But if if my desire is actually rooted in sin, some form of idolatry of, of chasing after something, then because he's a good father, he won't give that to me. Like it's just and that's oversimplified. So he looks at my desire. Is it good? Yes, I'll give you the better gift. If it is bad, he's not going to give that to me because it'd be destructive and so he'll protect me from it, which is still the better gift. Yeah. And so that's why it's so hard because it's not just that God's riches are better than the world's. Sometimes what the world offers is destructive. Sometimes good things in, in the world, things that we would all say are good things, are a vehicle through which God gives us his grace. And sometimes they are the vehicle through which we're destroyed. And that's just the reality. So I could get a gift of money, and that could either be the gift by which I'm able to provide for my family and give to support people and to, you know, all those things. There it's a vehicle for God's grace. Or I can get it and become more greedier and more selfish and, you know, spend on myself 
and it could make me crave more for myself and therefore it's it's a vehicle for destruction and nobody knows that better in your heart than your father does yeah yeah so there you go that was right on that was good i feel like that was like sermon part two and three yeah it was it was like longer than the original one and and as you said i'm able to i'm able to buffer maybe maybe one of us should stand off to the side of the stage during the sermon like once we're able to gather again you can be like unpack that one a little more just can you say could could you rephrase that one it'd be i could i could implying that that i could use that a lot yeah that's not good safe you could use a lot you want to do that to me that's all right i understand i think what we need to have is just christoph's live facial expressions during that is I, helpful on the back screen of the wall we can just have giant christoph projected up there and yeah. and when he is doing the head hang shaking mm-hmm. the head we know normally oh, that point normally what he gives, good is, point. he gives the head tilt it's kind of the hmm, what no what are you saying and he oh yeah of, that's that's the i don't think i agree with yeah. that head tilt but then there's the hand hand over the eyebrows down shaking the head yeah. which is the that's the yeah <laughs> the absolute disapproval. That's the win. I, I think, and that's the, so. This is a good example of why why I do love this church and I love being here. Is I feel like I can say a lot of those. I can I can push on those things because I do. By and large, the response is is all right. Well, show me from scripture, and that's the culture we want to just keep um, developing is the idea of okay i'm i'll hear what you say on this but i want to i want to it's like the bereans right so I, I want to examine that by the scriptures and say okay is this is what you're saying true is it in line with god's word uh if so then i want to be i want to be shaped to that and if not then i want to reject that or if i'm not sure i want to have more conversation about that so that's one of the things i like about the podcast is it gives people the opportunity to ask some of those questions and say, okay, I, I hear what you're saying here, which is kind of what you did this morning. I hear what you're saying. Can you, can you help me understand that a little bit more? Show, let's unpack that to use a phrase that Brad Campbell will love us saying over and over again. We'll unpack that. Well, and ju- just, just like we want that feedback on sermons, we also would love that on the podcast. If you listen to the yeah. podcast and we bring something up or we address an issue and, and it creates more questions or you have some follow-up, you feel like there's there's something that we said that you would love some clarification on or it led you down a path that you would uh, love some some help in, then then please, we would love to hear f- from you um, as well. So these aren't, it's not just uh, sermons are fuel for podcast questions, um, but the podcast hopefully is just a continuation of that conversation that we want you guys to be equally involved in. So are you proposing that we have a podcast to clarify the podcast that clarifies the sermon? Perhaps we could have a blog that will clarify the podcast, which clarifies the sermon. Some, And then we can have, we can have a vlog that will clarify the blog, which is clarifying the podcast. That would be amazing. Which is... We also could just communicate more clearly the first time. I mean, that's there. There's some merit to that idea. We could explore that. Let's talk about that. Yeah, in a podcast. In the future, because this, this one, one is, is, is done. done. This one is for the girls. <laughs> <laughs>